0: Dr. Al Waseek.
1: Thank you, John, for having me here, Uh, and happy Eid to all. Uh, I think it's testimony to uh, how much regard we hold, John, uh, in in the GCC countries that we are all here uh, celebrating with you instead of with our families back home. Thank you very much for coming. I would like today to talk in the first about a new frontier, I believe, in U.S. GCC relations. Then if there is time, I'll talk more in more detail about what the GCC has been up to in the last few years. The U.S. has always enjoyed good relations with individual member states of the GCC, but until this year had in fact limited interactions with the GCC as a group. Of course, there were the pro forma meetings uh, for coordination and briefings uh, that American officials gave on special occasions or when new issues uh, came up. But this year, the two sides took a quantum leap towards a more strategic partnership. On March 31st, at the GCC headquarters in Riyadh, the GCC-U.S. Strategic Cooperation Forum was started. Foreign ministers from the six member states of the GCC, in addition to the U.S. Secretary of State, uh, met to launch the forum. I believe there were several reasons for this development. the the new approach uh, by the the, uh, U.S. administration to uh, enter into a more organic and closer cooperation with the GCC as a group, as a regional group. The Obama administration, in effect, reversed the previous administration's preference for dealing with the GCC as bilaterally with each member state separately. I think first of those reasons, probably, uh, that the US, as John has pointed out, has uh, recognized the growing uh, role of the GCC in the region. But also, I think, of the increased cohesiveness that has been proven once and again of the GCC as a, a regional organization. We saw how the GCC uh, worked in Yemen, in Libya. uh, uh, The GCC was the first, in fact, group to call on the Security Council to shoulder its responsibility towards Libyan civilians, followed by the Arab League and then by the UN itself. In Yemen, the GCC initiative uh, was the one that succeeded finally in ending the impasse over the transition of power and with President Ali Abdullah Saleh leaving in November of last year. Second, I think, uh, the forum was uh, as a response to new and heightened threats to the region, including threats to the freedom of navigation in the Gulf and the spread of ballistic missile technology. Finally, I think the the new shift by the U.S. administration uh, can be seen in the light of the changing balance of economic power after the global financial crisis. The GCC was one of the few areas that had emerged almost unscathed by the crisis, and in fact growing at fairly healthy rates. The combined GDP of GCC member states exceeded 1.4 trillion dollars last year, and it's growing, growing almost every five, doubling almost every five years. It's expected to exceed three trillion dollars by the end of this decade. Definitely a growing economic power. A related issue, I believe, is the decided shift. In GCC trade away from its traditional partner, of the United States, towards Asia, China, India, Korea, Japan, among others. Until recently, the US was the number two trading partner of the GCC after the EU, a group of 27 countries. Today, it's number six. Uh, our trade with, with Asia, for example, today is about 60% of all GCC trade with the external world. While with the United States, it's only about 8%. Just take China only, for example, over the last 20 years. In 1992, GCC trade with the United States accounted for about 15% of its overall trade. With China, it was only 2 In fact, less than two, was 1.6. In 2002, just 10 years ago, trade with the U.S. was down to 11%, while with with China, it doubled to 4%. Last year, 2011, trade with China has doubled again and reached over 10%, while with the United States, it shrank to less than 8%. Obviously these are cause for concern for both U.S. exporters to the region and to trade officials. And in several meetings over the last decade actually we discussed this issue and how best to reverse that trend. So what is new about this in this forum? I think what is is new in this forum is not to hold more Uh, meetings, whether individually with member states or jointly with all the GCC member states together, nor is it about assessing the threats, because already I think the GCC member states and the United States share the common assessment, more or less, of the threats and challenges that both the United States and GCC member states face in the region. I mentioned some of them. Spread of nuclear uh, nuclear weapons, for example, is one. The Spread of ballistic missile technology is another. Threats to the freedom of navigation. The need to protect critical infrastructure in the GCC, as well as to counter piracy, terrorism, and arms smuggling more effectively. So all of that was already there. So what was needed was the establishment of a formal body to oversee cooperation in all these areas and probably more of uh, more areas of common interest, but from a strategic perspective instead of an ad hoc, piecemeal approach, which was common in the past. In other words, the new idea was to establish a framework for political, security, economic, and people-to-people cooperation. With the GCC as a cohesive, effective organisation to face those threats and challenges I just mentioned, obviously this collective approach would not be a substitute—not be a substitute for bilateral cooperation with individual member states, but in addition to it, it would enhance it and augment it. It is clear that some of the challenges I mentioned are best dealt with collectively to enhance and complement existing bilateral forms of cooperation. However, for some other areas, it has become, in fact, necessary to deal with them collectively. This includes nuclear weapons proliferation and ballistic missiles. So the forum was launched in March, and the second meeting was held in uh, New York, uh, less than a month ago, 28th of September. So, what happened in those six months? I think many people were skeptical, including myself, by the way. Uh, but in fact, several steps were, uh, were already taken by the September meeting. For example, a high level US GCC Security Committee was already impaneled with a number of working groups and working under its supervision, dealing with counterterrorism, border security, as well as combating piracy and armed smuggling. Again, to make it clear, these things existed in the past on a bilateral level. The new thing is to have them uh, in a collective fashion, multilateral fashion. Second, a U.S. GCC framework agreement for trade, economic investment and technical cooperation was signed last month in New York. This was, I think, as far as I know, the first U.S. agreement with the GCC as a group. Working groups on education, health, environment disasters, uh, that is combating or meeting, uh, dealing with environmental disasters, and natural resources management have already been formed. Discussions were underway to enhance ballistic missile defense cooperation in a region-wide approach. This would be in addition to ongoing U.S.-GCC cooperation in this area at the bilateral level. Next, there was increased cooperation on counter piracy and maritime security through a newly established maritime operations center in Bahrain, with which the US will work more closely to improve interoperability of maritime forces, harmonize maritime uh, communications procedures, and expand combined US GCC naval operations. Next, the two sides started to work together to preserve freedom of navigation in international waterways, and and to deter potential threats To the straits of hormones in particular or interfere with regional and international commerce the idea is not only military here talk also about other means other measures both legal and, and political and diplomatic the gcc and the u.s took part in the september 2012 mine countermeasures exercise and it is the job of the joint Committees that I mentioned to identify ways to identify ways to further build upon this collaboration. there are several other examples, but looked at these at the forum in general and these steps in particular from uh, the viewpoint of the GCC We find them that, that, it, that the forum fits well within the strategic objectives of the GCC as outlined in the charter and also in recent practice, and obviously the U.S. has its own strategic objectives in the region and elsewhere. So working together within the newly established Strategic Cooperation Forum, believe the GCC and the U.S. could work further to, to further those objectives and serve their common interests. And a, a question that has been raised I've been asked several times since I came to Washington, would there be any change if there is a, a new administration in Washington? Obviously, you know, I, I don't know actually, uh, but the, the, the process of consultation that took place in the GCC and within the US administration involved so many agencies that I believe that the, the, the forum is an expression of genuine interest that probably will not change with the change of the administration, if there is a change in the administration. So I'm not concerned about that. The, the preparations for this forum go back to 2010. Took a long time to consult. Was more difficult for us probably because we had six countries and six sets of bureaucracies, uh, and also for the US uh, as well. And so I think it, it's uh, the, the decision to enter into this uh, Relationship into this strategic cooperation uh, relationship, uh, it probably will not change over time. Maybe there may be different in differences in style, uh, assuming there is a new administration. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Your Excellency, for providing us with information and an update that I think is probably brand new, first time being heard for. of the people in this audience. Uh, Our next uh, speaker uh, is uh, Dr. Abdulkhalik Abdullah (coughs) from the United Arab Emirates, who's become a prolific author and a popular speaker, much in demand, not only by his university students, but by practically any and every seminar or conference uh, dealing with uh, the GCC these days. Dr. Abdulkhalik.
2: Thank you, John. Uh, I'd like to bring to your uh, attention a few uh, concerns and uh, new trends when it comes to the uh, U.S.-GCC relationship. And although as uh, Dr. Ablaziz and other speakers have said, that the relationship are solid and uh, mutually beneficial and uh, uh, very promising, I think there are areas of differences and concerns and uh, things does not, uh, things do not look as solid as we move into the future. And I'd like to bring to your attention some of these concerns and some of the new developments uh, and trends in the in the region and in the GCC foreign policy thinking. To understand uh, the GCC's uh, thinking, Uh I want to uh, bring to your attention the three pillars the three pillars, the three major components of GCC's foreign policy. And they have to do with pillar number one, security. Pillar number two, economy. And third, identity. Security, economy, and identity. These are the tripartite, of GCC is foreign policy, and there are a few things, new developments in each of these components that has to do with the relationship with the United States of America. And let me start with, uh, with the first component, which is security. Uh, on the security, the GCC go to the United States and the West firmly. This has been the pattern in the past 40 plus years. For security, Arab Gulf states immediately think America, the United States, the West. That's where the security comes from. For the economy, nowadays, as Dr. Ablaziz have said, the thinking is, go East. Asia, China, India, Korea, etc., etc., the Pacific. And for the identity, we go to the Arab world. That's where the Arab world, the the affinity is. Now, from the new and recent development in this tripartite foreign policy or strategic thinking is that uh, that uh, the GCC states have to adapt themselves to the post-America world. America is not necessarily in decline. America is not necessarily collapsing, It's not fading away as a superpower, but it is no longer the place to go for solid security assurance as it used to be 10 years ago. America is positioning itself. There is a lot of problem here, paralysis in Washington, Uh, new emerging powers in Asia and around uh, here and there. And the belief in the GCC states is that it is not wise strategy to put all your security basket in, one, all your security eggs in one basket. In light of the bad performance in Iraq and the not so convincing performance in Afghanistan, America, as an insurance company, as a security insurance company, is no longer to be totally trusted something not settling about this new superpower. And hence it's wise to diversify. The name of the game, the strategic thinking is security diversification. It's not just economic diversification, but security diversification. It's better to branch out, to go around here and there and find out, not alternatives, but plan B, plan C. So I think Despite all the talk about the solid relationship, even in the security leg, things are not as solid as you would expect here in Washington. And I think uh, that's the security pillar. Second, economy. As Ablazi said, and as all the facts are showing, it is Asia, is the place to go to. It's no longer the West. There is a a huge drive to go to East, not to the West when it comes to the economy, the economic leg of the tripartite. Asia is booming. If you're looking for oil, it's going to Asia, investment, market, opportunities. Asia is looming large in the economic pillar of the strategic thinking of the GCC. And I guess everybody is going east and going to Asia and going to to, to China, and so is the Arab Gulf states. That's the Pacific age is coming. America is going that way, everybody is going that way, and so is the Arab Gulf state. They are finding Asia, and Asia is approaching the, 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 the Arab Gulf state, so the two are meeting on that very important leg of the thinking, of the strategic thinking, the economic leg. Just two weeks ago, me and Dr. Abdullah in Kuwait, from Kuwait, attending a conference, the Asian summit, 52 Asian states met on the summit level, foreign policy level, and on expert level, in Kuwait, and that was the first. Asian summit of its kind. And the thinking is that Asia is emerging as a center, as the new center, and Asia is now thinking, dreaming of Asian community along European community. And maybe 100 and 200 years into the future, even develop something along the line of Asian Union. It might be a dream, it might be you know, just a wild uh, idea there, but the thinking is started and the Arab Gulf states want to be part of that future thinking. So, on the second leg of the strategic thinking in the Arab Gulf states is Asia, China, Korea, India, not the United States, and the West anymore. Third leg, or third pillar of the strategic thinking and the new trend and something that you know, Washington needs to be, to be alerted to, has to do with the identity, of course. The identity issue, the affinity. Where do we get our identity from? Of course, it's in the neighborhood, in the Arab world, firmly there. But something really huge has happened in the Arab world during the last two years, the Arab Spring. Something really historically huge has happened in the last two years in the Arab world. And I think the Arab Gulf states are not immune from the changes that are sweeping the Arab world. They are part and parcel of Arab history, of Arab identity, of Arab culture. Anything that happens there is bound to influence it. And two things is associated with this Arab Spring, which represents a huge challenge to the Arab Gulf states, two historical movement trends that is associated with the Arab Spring, and one trend is the Arab world is becoming more democratic. Egypt, Tunisia, Morocco, Libya, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, the Arab world probably is becoming more democratic than it used to be 60 during the past 60 years. More democratic Arab world is possible. It's still in the making, democracy is difficult as everybody has here, you know, and there is no easy manual to build a democracy, etc. but the Arab world is becoming more democratic. Simultaneously, at the same time, the Arab Spring is producing a second trend and injecting a new future trend, which is the Arab world is also becoming more Islamic. More democratic Arab world is very likely, more Islamic Arab world is also more likely. Two trends. Both of these trends are considered a, a, a huge challenge to the Arab Gulf states. And I'm not gonna talk about the democratic part of it, but the Islamic part of it is more worrying. And it has something to do with GCC US relationship. And what we see here, the big story of the last two years, the big story of the hour in the Arab world is the rise of, the, of political Islam, the rise of Muslim Brotherhood. That's the biggest story of the hour in the Arab world. But the real concern when it comes to US GCC relationship is the way Washington is starting to flirt with political Islam or engaging or managing political Islam and pushing or empowering Islamists in places like Egypt and Tunisia and throughout the region. That is sending some messages and raising a few concerns on many levels. Let me just briefly go through some of them because it's uh, an, a huge concern at this moment in the Arab, in, in the Arab Gulf states. The concern has, here is not just that the United States have made a shift, a sudden shift from old allies, the moderate regimes, to the new forces of change, but the suddenness of policy shift is raising some concern and creating mistrust. Suddenly, from demonizing Islamists and Muslim Brotherhood, the Muslim Brotherhood are given red carpet in Washington and considered to be the new allies, and 180 degree shift is not settling very nice in the Arab Gulf states. To go from one extreme to treat the new forces of change represented in the Islamist political Islam in such a massive way is sending some wrong messages. How can you trust America when it shifts from one position to the other? Some call that shift in the region, the Arab Gulf states, as being naive. You really don't know the Islamists as much as we know them. And they could come back at you with revenge and vengeance, and as they did during the Mujahideen in Afghanistan and other places, you could tell. So, but that raises a problem you know, for the Arab Gulf states to b- replace. Is it possible, if you make that shift, are you also in America ready to support Gulf Islamists? which are rising. If you make this sudden shift from one ally to the other, what guarantee is there that you will not come to bargain, to make a grand bargain with Iran, and all of a sudden there is this question, you know, that we are left out of it. So, it's sending a lot of messages, most of it is not settling. Finally, I want to end up by saying that this is, these are a few concerns on that, economy, security, and identity level, but there is something which is also important to conclude with, and that is that the GCC of 2012, the Arab Gulf states of 2012 are vastly different, are vastly different from the Arab Gulf states of 10 years ago. Or the Arab Gulf states of the 1980s. The Arab Gulf states of 2012 are more self confident, are acting more assertively in regional politics, are promoting themselves as more independent. They are no longer to be viewed the little ducklings of the 1980s, the vulnerable little small states of, uh, of, of, uh, you know, of, the, of the past. And uh, indeed, if you look at the facts and figures and you know, the, the, the real stuff, this is the Arab Gulf states moment in contemporary Arab history, the center of gravity is changing from the traditional capitals from Cairo and Baghdad and Damascus and Beirut and everywhere else to the new centers of activities and creativity and gravity, which is Doha and Burabi and Riyadh and these places, the smaller states. They are in the driver's seat when setting the regional and Arab agenda. It's no longer Egypt. Egypt might recover but maybe four or five years. Syria is in shambles. Iraq is completely knocked out. There's nobody around except for the GCC and the Arab Gulf states. And they are acting independently, assertively, and to say the least, least self-confidently. And you have to treat them that way. And you have to come to terms with them on these grounds. In many ways, the United States, just like the West, who's going through all the you know financial problems and political pl- p- paralysis, etc., etc., et and, uh, and 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 in inner looking, are probably just they they need the Arab Gulf states as much as we probably need them. And this is a shift, a historical shift in who should decide the the rules of the game and the rules of the relationship from now on. So. One thing for sure, if there is one final advice, do not take the Arab Gulf states for granted anymore. And do not, if you can, mess around with them anymore. These guys are, are small states with big ego. Some of them really have the big ego and you know who I have in mind, but it is a different reality. So in conclusion, the relationship is solid and sound, and the fundamentals are not as good, but there are new concerns and new trends and new development. And I think you should take all of this development very seriously if we are to conduct business from now on. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you, Dr. Abdullah. Our next speaker is Abdullah Al Shahiji, who's been an American Affairs Advisor for the Speaker of the Parliament in Kuwait. He's a professor of political science, has his PhD from the University of uh, Texas at Austin, and he's become a increasingly prolific, he always was, but even more so now, a uh, writer and contributor t- to the media. Dr. Shahiji.
3: Thank you, Dr. John, Duke Anthony, for the invitation. Thank you for uh, hosting us. Uh, Salam Alaikum, Kalam khair, Eid Mubarak, Eid, uh, Adhan Mubarak, uh, when I accepted uh, to join or to uh, participate in this panel, I never thought that it's going to coincide with Eid al-Adha, which is today, which is the most uh, festive occasion for Arabs and Muslims all over the world. 1.6 million Muslims today are celebrating this festive ovation, uh, occasion. And uh, we are here because uh, com- a commitment is a commitment, John. So I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad with this distinguished uh, panel here with my friends, and I'm glad to uh, join with you to talk about uh, what could be a major uh, change in the in the region, uh, following on the uh, what the, both my uh, colleagues, uh, Dr. Awesig and Dr. Abdelhalik. Uh, I'd like to take the to tackle this issue from another angle. Uh, from the angle that the relationship between the United States and the GCC states have been for too long asymmetrical relation between a junior partners and uh, large, the largest and the most powerful country in the world. Uh, this relationship has uh, witnessed its ups and downs, and there are uh, sometimes we see eye to eye, sometimes we don't see eye to eye, but. Well, given the Arab culture, there is a lot of uh, apprehension about uh, saying your mind. Having said that, let me uh, uh, point out that uh, with the US election this year, it seems that many leaders uh, and people around the world, not only the United States, are following closely with much anticipation and apprehension the unfolding. U.S. presidential election to find out the outcome of the November 6th uh, presidential election, which will weigh in on many issues and might affect the well-being of many countries and many nations. Because of that, there is a stake here in following United States uh, elections and its outcome. We, we, we are seeing United States retreating. We are seeing United States as, as not the indispensable country that... Uh, Madden Albright, uh, the former Secretary of State, uh, spoke about the United States as the indispensable country in the world. The world is now shifting towards a more multipolar world. As my colleague Dr. Abdul Khaliq Abdullah pointed out aptly, that now there are major powers rising all over the world, especially in Asia. We have the BRICS which is a new uh, important uh, block of major countries that have uh, Brazil, China, India, Russia uh, to, to contend with. People are looking east. In the Middle East and the Arabian Gulf, which have borne the brunt of much of US blunders in the last three or four decades, and its missteps which left in our neighborhood, where we live, Iraq shattered, United States pulled out, left Iraq for whom, and what kind of Iraq was left. Emboldened Iran and upset the fragile balance of power in the Arabian Gulf, which has been the major cause for instability for too long in that region. Now the U.S. has coined a new phrase for its allies and foes. For us, it seems an oxymoron term, and that is leading from behind. What does that mean? How could you lead from behind? United States did it, it seems, in Libya. Was it war fatigue? Was it the economic crisis? United States is the most debtor nation in the world. $16 trillion, your national debt. So how could you... A new reality is kicking in now. You're dealing with a superpower that is a broken superpower, That's completely in an election year submerged in its domestic politics. And as the famous Tip O'Neill said, all politics is local. So, how to perceive, how do you perceive the United States from 10,000 kilometers away or 7,000 miles away from these shores? There is also an understanding in the Gulf region that there is a war fatigue for the United States, there is a public growing disenchantment. Americans, according to uh, many surveys, are fed up with wars and with wasting lives and money. The US was caught by surprise during the early phase of the Arab uprising, or what, as it's called, in non-academic jargon, the uh, Arab Spring, which is still a work in progress and where people were mesmerized following the election in a nail-biting real race down to the wire in Egypt, for instance. It was a first. And election in Tunisia and Libya, and the mayhem in Syria that is really a major disaster. Uh, We are witnessing it before our eyes, and we couldn't do much about it. Also, we witnessed some at what I call GCC baby steps regarding some kind of reforms, which now has been uh, regressing rather than progressing in the last few months. But the real question here is, should we expect that these changes, uh, or, or the changes that if in the White House, would make any difference in the future regarding the U.S. Uh, GCC relations? My, my argument is that the United States is an institution uh, because it's a country of institutions. All my friends in Kuwait are at asking me what if, as Dr. Abdelkhalik said, or uh, even uh, Dr. Awaishek said, what if Romney comes to power? What if Romney on uh, uh, the evening of November 6th becomes the US president? What are the changes to expect? People are now thinking about this seriously, because Romney is closing in on the polls, especially in the swing states and that is a fundamental thinking now in the region about the changes in the United States there has been much disappointment in many quarters of the arab world with the lack of lackluster performance of US president barack obama who was expected to deliver more and assuage and mend much of the traumatized relationship between the arab and muslim world and the us in Under his administration, President uh, George W. Bush, the the relationship between the United States and many Arab countries witnessed its lowest ebb because of the wars that he launched in Arab and Muslim lands, succumbing to neoconservatives' agenda, made the MENA region, especially in the Gulf region, more unstable by What's co- what was called, or coined at that time, constructive chaos. The costly and bloody occupation of Iraq, Afghanistan, the longest war now for the United States is in Afghanistan, wrecking the fragile balance of power in the, in, the, uh, in the Gulf region, making US allies more vulnerable to hegemonic Iran, fragmented Iraq and stalled Middle East peace process, and also Al-Qaeda seems to be on the rebound. I want to take this opportunity also to command what I heard this morning from the Palestinian panel before us. I mean, I, I hope the, the, the voices that we heard will, won't be voices in the wilderness. And I also thank uh, Dr. John Anthony for that panel and also the panelists for speaking something different in, in Washington that rarely is being heard in this town. So, and that is the cause, in my opinion, of much of the argument in the United States by naive Americans, why do Arabs and Muslims hate us? If, the, if those people who asked these questions would come and listen to the panel before us, the Palestinian panel, they probably would have, start to have some kind of a clue about why Arabs and Muslims hate United States policies, not people. During the election year in the United States, all foreign issues seemed to take back seat the incumbent president who is too busy with his outside uh, with his uh, campaign issues travels debates swing states visits seems to outsiders and foreigners running for election as a governor and not for the President of the United States. Since all politics is local and all major foreign policy issues and agenda during the election year, especially in the, this election year, seem to center on local issues. And all foreign policy and security issues are put in the back burner till after the election thus is settled. From the Middle East peace process to Iran nuclear showdown, all these issues have to wait. The consequences of the Arab Spring or Arab uprising to the how to deal with the rising power of the Islamist, which is. Something have, that all of us have to contend with and how United States, as Dr. Uh, Abdelkhalik stated eloquently, what do we make of United States shifting positions from uh, its position regarding Islamists and especially Juan muslim to be to befriend them and to deal with them that's probably a pragmatic approach, but does that does not instill confidence in the United States as a country that could stick to its really principles. And this is the, another story. I remember Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice, former Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice, stated uh, in a very frank tone back in 2005, the dilemma of United States' relationship with the Arab world uh, and uh, democracy versus security. She said it uh, in uh, the Cairo University, American University in, uh, in Cairo in 19, uh, 2005, after the, uh, you know, the uh, US invasion of Iraq and talk about democratization and President Bush talking about fighting tyranny, uh, that was uh, the time when the United States was naive about the issue of spreading democracy in the region. Secretary Rice stated that for 60s and quote here for 60 years, my country, the United States, pursued stability at uh, at the expense of democracy. After 60 years, we have achieved neither. Now we want to have a new start, and we need to concentrate on democracy. Maybe that is the issue that we should understand about the United States. The United States could shift positions regarding its interest because it seems that stability comes first rather than other, any other issue. I believe in the Arab world and in the Arabian Gulf states, the survey that most people prefer to have President Obama, a recent survey by BBC News, over 21 countries, 20 countries of 21 countries preferred President Obama over, uh, over Romney by Uh, 50% for Obama 9% for Romney. In the Gulf States, in the Arab world, I think the results could differ because GCC states think that uh, Republicans usually are tougher and could take a tough stand regarding their issues, but Romney also at the same time is not helping his standing in the arab world and in the middle east and especially in the also on the palestinian issue regarding his position of the palestinians being culturally lazy let me move to my uh, second part of my paper uh, as dr awashik stated it was uh, this year a welcome move by the united states to engage G- the gcc states and to elevate its strategic ties from its bilateral <laughs> country by country uh, relationship with the GCC states to deal with the GCC collectively as a single entity and as a one body. I opened a piece in the Gulf uh, News, uh, newspaper in Dubai back on April 16, 2012, arguing this move represents a major shift in US strategic thinking and shifting the US ties with the GCC allies in a move from alliance to partnership. Because for too long the United States has dealt with us on a bilateral basis. Even if, uh, from the time Kuwait was liberated until this year, and uh, um, until now I'm, I was glad to hear from Dr. Awesik, uh, his uh, assessment or his uh, fa- the fact that there has been now working groups and there has been more strategic thinking. And I think this is the way we should go about it, about the relationship between the United States and the GCC states, which is the major uh, player in the, in the Arab world. And I think the new thinking by the United States to al- alleviate the relationship between the uh, bet- United States and the GCC states did not come out of vacuum because the GCC states have proven in the, over the last two years that they are the major player in the Arab world and Arab politics. The Arab political order since the breakout of the Arab uprisings have gradually pivoted towards the GCC states, the new kid on the block. The GCC states have emerged as the engine and the unrivaled leader of the Arab world now. The GCC states have been the lightning rod in directing and shaping the Arab transformational changes by a combination of soft and hard powers. Tactics, initiatives, financing, post-revolutionary changes in Egypt, Tunisia, shown leadership role in dealing with these changes. (coughs) That led to role manifested itself in both soft power through Al Jazeera, the the, uh, TV uh, news network, and Al Arabiya uh, and other lesser known religious media and TV networks highlighting the plight uh, of the citizens in the Arab republics undergone transformational changes and reforms. It manifested itself in initiatives that led to the abdication of Yemen President Ali Abdullah Saleh from from office uh, by drawing a line in the sand against a regional meddling in Bahrain by Iran a fellow member state in the GCC uh, club, and came to the rescue of Oman, another fellow member state. The GCC leadership was present in galvanizing the Arab order to rally behind the Libyan people and passing an offline zone over Libya by the Arab League, a first by a pan-Arab organization against a fellow member state. The GCC states, led by Qatar and United Arab Emirates, participated with NATO forces in military operations against Qaddafi's forces in Libya, where the United States led from behind. The GCC states are spearheading the Arab efforts today to hold the Syrian President Bashar al-Assad accountable. The GCC states recalled their ambassadors from Syria and expelled the Syrian ambassadors from the GCC capitals, the Qatari Emir, is on record demanding Arab forces to be sent to Syria. If we take all of this together, what we have now, we have, we have moved in the relationship between the GCC states and the United States from allies to partnership, and this is, as I said, a welcome sign, especially that we are face, facing joint or, or shared common threats that are emerging in the region that really need to be dealt with in a more uh, comprehensive manner than what uh, was done before. Uh, U.S. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, meeting with the GCC foreign minister's counterpart last March in the GCC headquarters uh, to to launch the uh, strategic uh, dialogue between uh, both sides, made it clear that, and I'm quoting here uh, Secretary Clinton, Regarding the common challenges and threats we are facing in one of the most important strategic regions in the world. I underscore the, I'm quoting here Secretary Hillary Clinton, I underscore, uh, I underscore the rock solid commitment of the United States to the people and nations of the Gulf, with promise by the U.S. to provide its ally, GCC allies with missile defense architecture to protect the gcc's oil wells and ports from possible iranian attacks the us shares with the and uh, w- w- uh, of course uh, the us share with the gcc states all these needs in my opinion to have a, 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 a collaborative effort at the uh, collective uh, level uh, in order to face these challenges the problem that we are facing in the gcc states is the asymmetric relationship with iran Iran has emerged as the bully in the region, it's the 800-pound gorilla that is uh, sitting in our uh, living room. And uh, the, what we see from the United States now with the Iran issue is in the back burner with Israeli uh, Netany- uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu threatening to use force against uh, the uh, Iran nuclear uh, program is bringing the region into some kind of uh, apprehension Regarding where should we go from here, the problem that we have with all these niceties with the United States, we do not have any leverage. We are not part of the dialogue regarding what to do with Iran. We are not part of the dialogue. What are the future relationship and in, in that part of the world? We are completely shut out. You, as you have three plus three, I mean, this is my pro, my proposal. United States, if if we if United States will take as Dr. Uh, Abdul Abdullah uh, gave his final advice for the United States to take us seriously. We are, uh, don't mess with us, and I agree with him. But from what we see is that there is no, 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 no nobody's listening here in Washington for the pleas that Dr. Abdul Khaleq and myself are saying now, that we are not, we are bystanders at the end of the day, and this is a pity. We stand to lose more than anybody else if Iran would retaliate against Israeli uh, attack or American attack. And we keep telling the Iranians that this is not our war, we're not part of it, we're not going to even allow the Americans or anybody else to launch any war or to use our countries as launching pads against, uh, against Iran. Uh, but unfortunately, we do not have any leverage, whether with Iran that Ahmadinejad was in Kuwait to attend that that uh, ADS, Asian Dialogue Summit, a couple of weeks ago, or with the United States. So we are left really without any uh, uh, shelter here, although Secretary of State uh, Hillary Clinton in that dialogue uh, keeps uh, telling us that we face common uh, threats, terrorism, nuclear proliferation, piracy, border economic strategic ties. Okay, that's fine, nice it is, but what if push comes to shove? Why wouldn't there be in the United States thinking like 3 plus 3, as Europeans say, 5 plus 1? negotiating at the, at the international level between the United States and the P5 and uh, Germany uh, with, uh, with Iran. Why wouldn't there be a role for a GCC, for the, for the GCC Secretariat General, Or the presiding country, rotating uh, presiding country, in this case Saudi Arabia for this year, to be to sit on the table with the negotiation in order to hear our also position regarding uh, the uh, nuclear issue. I finish, uh, John. I'm finishing here. The GCC states its leadership and people yearn to security and peace. We are living in a tough neighbourhood, and are fed up as you are with crises and wars and militarization, while your country is now, according to President Obama, he will cut off uh, defense budget by half trillion dollars next decade. We would love to have that, too, also, to cut our defense spending. There is no declared preference for us but to really have stronger ties with the United States Now the relationship has been alleviated from uh, uh, allies to partnership. I think this is a great moment for both of us, for the United States that has much stake and interest in in the most volatile region to deal with its new partners as uh, as partners and not as junior partners because it's going to be a win-win situation for both of us if that happens. Thank Thank
2: you.
0: Thank you, all three um, speakers, for enlightening uh, the audience uh, with information, analysis, and assessments, as well as recommendations that um, have yet to be written in the mainstream media, hardly uh, voiced in any congressional hearing or even in the um, substantive dialogues within uh, the nation's capitals, so-called think tanks, as they so-called, because most uh, are really agenda tanks. Um, the GCC-U.S. relationship seldom, if ever, uh, comes up in any of those three circles uh, that, I, that I mentioned. We have an, an, uh, a number of questions. I think the first one will start with you, Dr. L. Roger, and uh, ask for additional commentary from uh, uh, Dr. Abdul uh and or uh, Dr. now uh, what can the GCC learn from the European Union crisis uh, that um, is beneficial for the GCC in terms of its having been going in or giving serious and favorable consideration to go in similar directions regarding uh, monetary union or common currency. Uh, what um, are the relevant lessons uh, for would policymakers? I would you
1: like to address it? You, you
0: can address I, it from I'm hiding behind the. Point okay. The yes.
1: Uh, thank you. Uh, the, the, the most immediate lesson, obviously, is that we put on hold temporarily our plans to introduce the unified currency, which was scheduled for 2010. Uh, because the the unified currency was modelled after the European uh, uh, unified currency, and in fact the blueprint was written by the ECB with some, the European Central Bank with some modifications. So, if the original was uh, facing some difficulties, we thought we have to we had to reconsider the what they call the convergence criteria to make them more solid, to make the accountability more uh, rigorous than has been the case in Europe. The uh, Monetary Union is still uh, uh, on the table. There is recently uh, the Monetary Council for the GCC was established. A new head of it was appointed from Kuwait. Uh, But the timetable has been revised until we reach a point where we feel that there are enough safeguards that the unified currency will be solved. Thank
0: you. Dr. Abdullah. Either of you would like to uh, yeah, add to that? Uh,
3: I think with the European crisis, uh, it's give a, it, it gave us a, a lot of uh, a big pause. Uh, if the, if, you, uh, if GCC wants to use uh, a prototype, uh, the EU as a as a model, I think with the euro crisis, with uh, now with the domino effect of. Uh, uh, Greece almost bankrupt with Spain uh, demanding much money Portugal and other countries this will give the members in the GCC who have been hesitant about pushing farther and and faster towards more uh, economic consolidation whether through the common market or or uh, or the currency that has been put off because two countries especially the second largest economy in the arab world and second largest country in terms of gdp in the gcc uae has opted uh, to stay out then i think uh, eu is not being a good model to a, as a, or a facilitator or a catalyst to push or nudge the gcc or convince those hesitant voices and members to uh, change their minds but to uh, keep uh, uh, strongly to their Positions and beliefs that we should wait and see.
0: Yes.
2: Now remember, uh, John, there are two Abdullahs here, so you have to be very specific. Um, yes,
0: Abdullah to my right, Abdullah to, to my, my left. To my left, yes, okay. Uh,
2: it is uh, interesting to note that uh, at a time when EU is going through a crisis and doubt and self doubt and uh, euro is at its lowest at this very time when Europe is going through all this confusion in 2011 GCC came up with its own future project called Gulf Union meaning that they are they have 30 years they have invested 30 years in GCC and now they are at a crossroad. They are not going to go back and look at Europe and fall back, but rather think ahead and go into the future. This is very interesting to notice the contrast here, a huge contrast. Bad news from Europe, good news from GCC. I think that's what you need to focus on. This is another reassurance of self-confidence and how we're thinking of the future and how to take the GCC one step forward rather than one step backward. Now, we learn, we, have, we always learn a whole lot from EU. It is a role model. It's a, it, it, it is a trendsetter for regional integration, for cooperation between two and more states. And the lesson that we learn from Europe is this, clear and simple message, integration is no easy job. Regional integration is always meticulous, difficult, frustrating, it always, throughout history. And Europe is a testimony and GCC is another testimony. Regional integration, they tend to go one step forward, half a step backward. But in general, the movement is always forward. So, you look at GCC, where it was 30 years ago, where it has become. If you look at GCC, not 2012, but 2022, 10 years from now, I would be very optimistic about this GCC. It's going to go forward. So to me, I think the lesson learned there, integration is difficult, but we just have to keep at it and move one step forward all the time, despite the fact that between now and then, there is a half step backward.
0: Thank you both. Uh, thank uh, you both for commenting in addition to Dr. El-Schweig. Um Dr. El- Shweig, uh, also, again, if you could address the matter of the separate free trade agreements that two GCC countries concluded with the United States, Bahrain and Oman, uh, how have these aided or hindered uh, the GCC's um, efforts for greater integration?
1: Hindered. Uh, I think the, those FTAs uh, were uh, uh, vestiges of you know, uh, previous policies that preferred to deal with the GCC as separate states rather than as one unit. Uh, the, those bilateral FTAs, in fact, created difficulties for the customs union. Uh, We still have not really been able to insulate the customs union from the effects of those bilateral FTAs. Uh, There are solutions that are under consideration. I think eventually we'll be able to inoculate the customs union from the effects of those two uh, FTAs. Uh, I doubt that the U.S., the current administration or in this current and the new relationship will contemplate something like this again. there, there, uh, if you don't mind, John, I, yes. I just wanted to comment on something that was said earlier, uh, which is I, I do not want anybody to have the impression that we we are putting all our eggs in the U.S. basket regarding security or economic relations. Uh, in my department, we deal with a, more than a dozen key strategic relationships and, in fact, the first one was not the United States, was with Turkey and second with China and the third one with the ASEAN countries, etc. But that doesn't mean that the United States has, uh, is not a very important strategic partner for the United States. Uh, I think people disagree on, on how fast it's losing its power or if it's losing power, uh, but it will remain, I think, for the foreseeable future, our number one, I think, strategic ally for security. Uh, in particular. Uh, For economics, it will remain a key uh, partner. Uh, the, The whole idea of the Strategic Forum is to look for opportunities, not to look for weaknesses. And to capitalize on those opportunities that we have, we believe we have, with the United States whether it 's in security or political cooperation or in uh, in economic cooperation or in people to people contacts, we have more students in the United States than any other country in the world. Obviously that says something about our faith in the in the u s educational system uh, the The other thing about uh, the also I did not want the impression to be left that uh, we have been shut out of the five plus one uh, negotiations. It was actually a GCC decision not to be included. That should be clear. We, we have regular briefings, we have regular discussions with uh, all members of the 5 uh, plus 1. And so we're, I think we're always kept abreast and also consulted, and there are understandings also regarding those negotiations. But we have chosen not to be part of them. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Uh, Two or three questions have to do with the um, much uh, discussed possible uh, association with Jordan and Morocco uh, in terms of this perhaps being mainly a strategic geopolitical move to show um, the strengthening of the monarchical governments in the Arab world against those um, uh, railing against this form of governance, Um, how would you put this in perspective Uh, and in terms of uh, the likelihood of any meaningful um, associational new relationship with Jordan and Morocco and why would it be necessary, where would be the benefits, what would be the challenges? and what would be the implications?
1: <clears throat> I think it's, it's a, another way the, the relationship, the new relationship with, uh, with Jordan and Morocco is a new way of formalizing, similar to what we went through with the, with the United States. It's, it's a way to formalize a, an existing relationship between each member state and Jordan and Morocco. And we, we have gone through a similar exercise. Uh, we actually next uh, in about two weeks, we'll have uh, another meeting with the with the foreign ministers from both countries. Uh, over the last year, since the decision was taken last uh, December, uh, we we have uh, had many uh, discussions with both countries. We have canvassed the the opinions of almost every agency in the GCC, and I'm sure the Jordanians and the Moroccans did the same. And we were surprised we, we the, about the enthusiasm. Uh, about uh, solidifying this relationship and basically it has two main components. The first one is the development assistance. As you probably know, the GCC has committed and already started delivering uh, to these two countries uh, uh, $5 billion over the next five years for each. So each year $1 billion for each one of those countries and the first installments have already been uh, received. Uh, The second component is a uh, what we call an action plan. The action plan has about, uh, I think, between 10 and and 13 different areas of cooperation where we identified uh, win-win situations for collective GCC uh, cooperation. Other areas, I think, would continue to have probably bilateral cooperation in some areas where collective cooperation may not be as efficient. Uh, And those include everything from uh, political security to, uh, to economic, to uh, uh, people to people, one of the areas that surprised me for example, uh, which is included in, in, the, in the action plan that's under discussion, maybe approved next week, uh, two weeks from now, uh, is uh, uh, empowerment of women, learning the experiences from Morocco and Jordan, about to, to, how to empower women in the Gulf and, and vice versa. So we were actually, uh, the, uh, the, the, the process is wide open and it uh, includes almost every aspect of life. The, the uh, objective is to, uh, to increase this relationship, to elevate it into a, a uh, what we call a special strategic relationship that hopefully would benefit uh, both sides. Thank you. Okay.
0: Thank you. Uh, Abdullah, on my right,
2: Okay, clear, Uh, uh, frankly uh, this uh, Morocco-Jordan initiative was probably the most stupid thing that came out of GCC in 30 years.
0: (laughs) Uh, Great agreement here.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It was dead on arrival, don't take it seriously and don't ask any question about it, please. Uh, but, however, if it, if, if, if it conveys anything, it only conveys what I already said, the self-confidence. It comes from, us, uh, from a position of strength, not a position of weakness. All of a sudden, in Riyadh, they thought these monarchies are in imminent danger and that we could help them rather than they could come to help us. So, I think it also comes out of that uh, self uh, confident and position of strength that the GCC see themselves at at the moment, John.
0: Okay, yes. Uh, yeah,
1: everybody just add, I think 75 million people probably disagree with Abdullah, but I respect
2: your opinion.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, uh, uh, Abdullah on my left. Thank
3: you, Thank you uh, John. I agree more with. Uh, Abdul Khaleq, then with uh, yeah. my <laughs> official friend here from the GCC, and and I'm I'm glad to hear the official position of the GCC that was articulated very nicely by Dr. Abdel Aziz La-Wayshig as the undersecret uh, the undersecretary general for uh, the strategic uh, cooperation. But yeah, I mean uh, it doesn't make any sense. I mean it it, it was a, a thought that fizzled out completely and ended up with a, uh, just hands out and economic uh, subsidies and help. We just uh, contributed $1 billion to uh, to Jordan, and I think another billion is coming up to Morocco, which is great, but how could you have a country you know, united with you in, 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 in a union that is uh, 8,000 kilometers away and there is little common between uh, the far west part of the Arab world and the Gulf states. I mean, I would have loved to have six plus two, that was, we taught it a lot of six plus two. Six plus two, the first time came when Damascus declaration, Syria and Egypt, after the liberation of Kuwait in 1991, that also fizzled out as a part of a, a, a mini Arab defense system. But what my love for six plus two is to include GCC, Iran and Iraq in order to have a regional regional uh, uh, club or regional uh, union in the, our neighborhood, in the, in the Arabian side of the Gulf and the Persian side of the Gulf with Iraq, but which Iraq and which Iran? You cannot have stability and security by outsourcing your defense and security forever. We cannot rely on the United States or on NATO that has uh, ICI, uh, Istanbul Cooperation Initiative, or anybody else. We have to rely on ourselves. Because of that, the union came on the heels of all of these uh, tinkering with all these uh, thoughts. I mean, a year and a half ago, we talked about six plus two to include uh, Jordan and Morocco. Last December, King Abdullah of Saudi Arabia surprised everybody at the Riyadh Summit by declaring enough is enough, now is the time to move finally and forever from the status of cooperation that has been lingering and lethargically for too long, for 31 years, to a union, which the GCC Charter talks about. I hope this union idea does not face the Jordan-Morocco idea and I hope that we put some kind of meat on the skeleton of the GCC and be for once capable of transforming that most important part of the region that spread from Spain to India in some kind of a coherent organization that could be dealt with at the international and regional level and we could have the the elusive uh, balance of power that has uh, really eluded us for too long to be on equal par with the emerging Iraq that's buying F 16 and uh, 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 dealing with Russia and dealing with the United States and buying offensive even weapons, and with a bold, emboldened and uh, ambitious uh, hegemonic Iran. That is the crux of the issue. Helping Morocco, helping Jordan, we could help them without being members of the GCC. But these ideas are part of the GCC thinking that really need to be uh, understood from the perspective of the GCC that we need to have uh, more uh, 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 and more power and uh, to get our act together to be uh, taken seriously not only by Iran and by Iraq, emerging Iraq, but also by the major powers, especially here in Washington.
0: Thank you uh, Abdullah on my left. Uh, the last uh, uh, question will uh, be punctuated with a semicolon uh, and one is uh, to Abdullah on my right rega- because he's from the UAE. Uh, this city has uh, read more, heard more, focused more on the um, situation in um, uh, Dubai or as people have begun to call it Dubai to link it to Mumbai, Shanghai, etc. cetera. Uh, the situation that happened between Dubai and Abu Dhabi uh, still is a question as to uh, what have been the repercussions, what have been the lessons learned, what have been the results or the implications for foreign policies who look at the UAE partly through the lens of Dubai and to a lesser extent the lenses of Abu Dhabi. Now the question that hangs on to that is uh, what last statement would any of the three of you want to make um, to the audience here? Because there is a perception that the Arab countries are often critical of the U.S. involvement in the region. Either we are involved too much or not involved enough. What's the right balance of involvement required from the United (coughs) States and how urgently or when? Um, A bill on my right.
2: Uh, On the UAE question, uh, maybe I should answer it next year instead of this year, John, (laughs) if I am ever invited next year. (laughs) You're invited. Uh, The United Arab Emirates is, uh, you know, it's a small country. And in a span of 40 years, it's grown to be the second biggest economy in the entire Arab world after Saudi Arabia. This tiny little country, United Arab Emirates, managed to become the second biggest economy with 196 billion dollar GNP or GDP or whatever. And uh, if you look around today, to see the cities that are of value and of stature and uh, transitors in, in the region and of global presence. It's Dubai. It's Abu Dhabi. It's not Cairo or Morocco or Algeria or Tunisia or even Beirut or whatever. And if you look around a little bit deeper, you will find out that uh, UAE is today probably the most global, the most tolerant, the most socially liberal of all the countries around in the region, in the Gulf. And uh, so there is a whole lot, (coughs) as as a citizen of UAE, there's a whole lot to be proud of. Uh, for the mighty achievements. However, in 2008, Dubai had a tumble. It is like uh, the Humpty Dumpty story, uh, sat on the wall and had a great fall. It did have a great fall. And it was for a while in crisis, and it has a financial difficulty. Some of it of its own. Most of it, however, came from the United States, the financial crisis of 2008. It went into an intensive care in 2009. It got out and it was in hospital in 2010. 2011 came the Arab Spring. And the Arab Spring was a God-sent gift to Dubai. Dubai had an economic spring of unbelievable, you know, unimaginable impact. Today, Dubai is up and running in the street and maybe it's going into a marathon of a sort and it's recovering very uh, nicely and um, uh, amicably and um, gracefully. So, uh, you know, I think uh, Dubai has recovered and UAE is, uh, is, uh, again, is recovering. And uh, Dubai and Abu Dhabi are at their best when they compete with each other and they are at their best when they cooperate with each other and it is they are the two pillars of UAE and the two stories when they complement they are beautiful and when they compete they are so good at it, they are very the, you know, their, their history, the 180 years of relationship with them, there's plenty of competition between them but they are at, at their best, it's the competition that breeds uh, the good and makes the UAE the way, uh, the way it is. So, uh, maybe I should stop at that. Thank you.
0: Uh, thank you. Uh, Abdul Aziz, any final statement? <coughs> uh, Abdullah. Yeah,
1: just uh, very briefly on, uh, on Jordan and Morocco. Uh, obviously, we, we have we, the GCC, uh, I think, is, as Abdullah Abdul Khaliq said, uh, is a sign of maturity that we're considering expanding all of that. And we're under pressure as a successful sort of club. <clears throat> from our neighbors to join and we have many applications and so we have to deal with them in a certain way and one of the arguments they use you, you have strategic partnership with China and with Korea and with Japan and we are much closer than they are so I think distances are no longer that, that important and what is being considered with Jordan and Morocco does not depend on, uh, on distance uh, uh, it's, it's, it can work regardless of the distance between Morocco and and the GCC, and obviously uh, Jordan is, is next door. Uh, and we have identified in the case of these two countries through uh, very uh, meticulous and almost tedious canvassing of opinions of all agencies in the GCC. We have identified areas, as I said before, of where we can benefit, both of us can benefit. Uh, some, some other applications were not able to, to meet from our neighbors. But these two countries were able to, uh, to do that. The, the second thing I want to conclude with is that there are serious challenges, serious risks in the Gulf. And I think the, the, the U.S. Has, has been the most reliable. We have our differences but has been the most reliable and probably will be the most reliable partner for the foreseeable future, whether it is to face Iran's uh, uh, nuclear weapons or, or ballistic missiles or a, Meddling in, in internal affairs of the GCC or whether it is the situation in syria we cannot we cannot count on Russia or China or others. We have more similarities of opinion regarding how to uh, resolve the the impasse in Syria or other countries than, than we have differences and uh, we we cannot ask our allies to be complete in complete agreement with us just like. They should not expect us to be in complete agreement with them. But that's the whole idea of, of having this partnership. It's an an area where we can discuss differences and benefit from uh, from I think where we agree. Yes, great. Thank
3: you. <coughs> Thank you. Just for final thoughts. I think the relationship between the United States and the GCC states is going to continue to be a a fundamental relationship based on mutual benefits, uh, security threats, interests and uh, common uh, more or less uh, values and seeing eye to eye uh, where do we go from here, who are the enemies, Uh, the advice for uh, the United States and for the Gulf States is that the United States has proven itself to be a, a trustful ally, but unfortunately there are sometimes miscalculations, blunders that uh, we carry the brunt of, most of the brunt of it in the, in, in the region. Uh, okay. Hopefully whoever wins the White House uh, election next uh, two, a week from Tuesday uh, would really approach the GCC as a new Uh, players in the region. You see how uh, countries, the six countries, have proven that they are reliable allies and they have burden sharing with the United States and they have been playing a major role in stabilizing the region in playing a role in initiating uh, initiatives regarding uh, Yemen and helping uh, with Libya and with Egypt. rebuilding Egypt and helping with what's going on in the Arab world. So I think on equal uh, footings, the relationship uh, should go from better to, 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 uh, to much better and to uh, reach a conclusion that this relationship should be a relationship of two partners, not allies only, but all the partners in order to achieve your interests and our interests at the same time. Thank you.
2: Okay, John, tell me to be very brief and candid. Get your house in order and vote for Obama, please.
0: (laughs) Thank you.